1: Welcome back for yet another edition of the fifth and last NRL podcast. Great to have you with us this week. Starting off, as always, with some news and Gerard Beal from the Dragons starting to take a bit of shape, but unfortunately he will now miss the rest of the season with an ACL injury, which moves us on to our next point, Josh Dugan. Do the Dragons sign Dugan? Hit us up on the Facebook page and on the Twitter and let us know your thoughts. As far as I'm concerned... They have to. Jamie Sout has thrown his hands up in the air saying that he is willing to play there to let Drinkwater be in the Haas with Fiend, but their best option at the moment is to probably try and get Dugan on the cheap. He's a representative fullback. Uh, I know plenty of people have got questions over where his head is at, but at the same time, you could do much worse than picking up a New South Wales fullback on the cheap. Moving on, we have Bodine Thompson and Adam Blair facing one-week bans for dangerous contact charges in their game with the Melbourne Storm, notably... Thompson's shot block technique like a shoulder charge to the leg of Gareth Widdop which uh, many thought was a penalty to them but later found out when the camera came back it was for offside and Adam Blair was penalised for cranking the leg of Kevin Proctor uh, as far as I'm concerned. I've never seen and Thompson lash out in such a manner but it's definitely time that Adam Blair gets some kind of time on the sideline because it's just uh, ridiculous the way he carries on in those rucks. Dave Taylor has been banned for two weeks by the Gold Coast Titans for breaking team rules. Nothing further has been said. One can only suspect uh, exactly what has happened. Probably something I think most would have a guess with the drink or going out or some kind of policy, but he will miss the next two games, which is pretty bad timing, considering they're running a bit light. They've got Kelly and Sees out, which is another point I was going to make. Albert Kelly, not as bad as first thought with his medial. Not 6-8, to eight. it'll probably be... Two to three weeks and Caesar questionable whether he'll play this week or in the next couple of weeks. They're just going to have to take it as it comes as far as his hamstring is concerned. In other injury news, we have Benji Marshall facing the possibility of being out to up to three months. Scans, waiting to confirm such news, but it could be tragic for the Tigers fans and he will most likely miss the upcoming Anzac test. Louis, Robert Louis on return, injured, first game back, hurts his knee. Two to three weeks, possibly out on the sideline. And Matt Duffy dropped from the storm for poor defense, has suffered even further with a shoulder dislocation in the New South Wales Cup on the weekend. He will be out for eight weeks. But on the flip side of all those injuries, a return from a man who's had nothing but injuries, Terry Campese, named an extended bench for the Canberra Raiders on the weekend. I think most people think that Anthony Milford, who's named at 14, will be dropped off the bench if Cam is good to go. Um, me personally, I know I've said it plenty of times, after all the injuries, I'm not too confident that he should be brought straight back into the NRL. I think he needs a bit of fitness, but uh, that's the way things are going to go. So we'll wait and see if he finds himself on the field. T-Rex has been put on notice by Laurie Daly, speaking on Fox Sports. They asked the question, which many of us probably wondered, like last year, would he be picked a walk-up start regardless of uh, game time and circumstance? And the answer from Laurie Daly was he has six weeks, six to eight weeks to turn his form around and prove that he's an origin player. And I commend Laurie Daly on that, and I hope that T-Rex takes the message on board and starts playing a better brand of football because at the moment he's most definitely behind. And on the last piece of news we have here, Laurie Daly once again, obviously been on Fox has confirmed that Mitchell Pearce will be the halfback as long as he is healthy. So the real question, I suppose, for everybody out there, who's his 5'8 partner? For me, I know he brought up last night that he is open to the possibility of Reynolds playing at 6, which doesn't seem like a bad idea. I think he's a fantastic player, but if it's not going to be Adam Reynolds, Josh Reynolds has to be there. The grub, he's a fantastic player, great ball runner, tough as nails, but... Plenty of possibilities there. Sutton has also been in good form. You've got Jared Mullen, who's been throwing his hands up. Carney's obviously another one they're going to be banding around. And uh, James Maloney is the club partner of Mitchell Pearce. So that seems like a very logical option. And he's been playing some great football himself. So we'll have to wait and see what happens there. But for now, that's the news for this week. Jumping back into the podcast. Welcome to the fifth and last. Time on 4-10 in the bin
2: with the Wild Panther, Mark Gaia. Midway between the quarter and the half, the Blues into the ground. Geyer, Geyer, straight waging through Queensland, crushing them aside. This is better stuff from Gaia tonight, Peter. It was the green light as far as I was concerned, and I went to wreck as much Havoc
1: and good. And back with MG, the wild panther. Welcome back, mate. You know, G'day, g'day Brock. how are you boys
2: after the uh, ding tai tung, ding <laughs>
1: last week? Oh, a bit rattled, actually, a bit rattled. But uh, they were delish. Yeah, well, I think <laughs> we scared the the people on the table next to us.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I think they were a bit, a bit intimidated <laughs> that we ordered every single meat in existence dumplings in uh in sydney that we went to last week and they uh they were beautiful
1: weren't they last friday oh mate i I think they thought we were three godzillas the way we're eating but (laughs) (laughs) bit bit intimidated but it was the best thing i've ever eaten and i'm telling everyone out there if you haven't had a dumpling smash yourself on in the face right now because you're an idiot
2: (laughs) oh yeah yeah
1: Uh, mate, the first thing, just want to quickly get touch on me and Brock disagree on it, but it was amended by Daniel Anderson, which is obviously the obstruction rule. I want to know your thoughts on it because Brock loved it. He liked the way it was and the fact that the, the block shapes were taken out of it and you couldn't you know, pretty much just bump into the line or put defenders into it. But for me, like I look at the Cronk try and a few other situations, uh, it's just not natural, you know. You need to be accountable as a defense, so I'm a bit two ways on it.
2: Yeah, I like what they've done. I think that they've got a. I think that the, having the ex-players in the in the video ref boxes has is, is been a great addition to the uh, the game this year. And I think that if you use common sense in them type of uh, you know incidents, I don't really think you need a, 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 a you know a line in the sand to make it black or white. I think you just rule whether or not the player was impeded um, and he couldn't have got to the block uh, from scoring the try. I, I don't really think. We have to have a set rule per se. I think that if you say if you are watching a game and you know that a bloke runs through as a block runner and he takes out another bloke and, and stops him from having any attempt to, to even get close to the tackle, well, it, you know you've got to use your discretion. If it happens on the other side of the field, we'll play on. But if it happens three metres from the try, you got to say, well, he could have had a chance to get him. And so it's, I'm kind of in, I'm a bit in between myself. I just think that I've uh, had to do something about it because it was, it was becoming farcical and the fact that they've acted upon it so quickly, uh, we've already seen a couple of, sort of incidences
3: where um, the, the new rule has been brought into play, and it's, it's worked. Mm, yeah, my only concern is, is even on the weekend, now that the rule's been relaxed, I've seen coaches have changed straight away, and they're running those uh, block runners into the line already. So just my opinion on it is, I, I'm with you, you know. It went too far, the original rule, but I just don't want to see it return to where it was last year, that's all. So... Um, as long as they, as you say, if we can get some ex-players in the box, I think that'll fix the problem. Because um, whenever you're around people that have played footy, they know the difference between a block runner and a decoy. You know, that's, so, it,
2: that's yeah. it, exactly right, and um, I, you know, 100 percent right. Um, you know, that's nothing against blokes who have never played the game, but um, you're you putting up position when you're when you're when you're playing rugby league and you're defending your own line, um, and you're, you know, it's five minutes before half time or five minutes before full time, and you're so buggered that you can. You can hardly breathe. The last thing you want is somebody making your your effort one inch harder than it is Mm, um, to try and celebrate from scoring a try. And I think the ex-players can put themselves in that position and say, well, you know what? I think there, that's a perfect instance to say no try or that's the perfect instance to say that was a try because he had no chance of getting there. So, uh, play on.
1: Yeah, well, on that point, I was about to say, uh, my number one point was the same thing. The players in the box, I think that's the the happy medium there to help us uh, move ahead with that. They know because they've played the game and I think those decisions will be a lot more natural to somebody who's been in that situation. But jumping into something else, we've had Phil Rothfield come out and say that the Panthers have gone backwards since Gus has taken over. You know, it's a a pretty brutal comment, but they have gone from the finals to 12th to uh, second last. So what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I suppose it's
2: true on face value, um, but unless you live and breathe... Uh, you know, the, the mountains like we do uh, You know, there's a lot more going on behind the scenes than yep. that setting Turnip up to be, become a powerhouse um, in the next couple of years um, I think if we didn't have our act together off the field um, and we were still going bad on the field I, I'd have cause for alarm but the fact that we are doing a lot of great things behind the scenes um, with a new centre of excellence being approved uh, James Packers you know, the mate of Phil Goods putting his hand up saying mate I want you to help me uh, train some kids in this um, casino on building and that's going to that's help the rugby league club um, you know the Harold Matthews the SG board the 20s are all going sensationally so look on face value the Panthers are going pretty ordinarily um, we're the only club without a marquee player our best player week in week out is a winger in Josh Mansour um, you know, but, you know we have got some positives there's Ivan Cleary I think is one of the games better Young, young coaches. Um, you know, what I just mentioned about the junior teams going so well. Um, but I, I really think that we've got to look at our juniors. We've, at the moment, with Lachlan Kuiar, we've got one player uh, from the Penrith district in, in first grade and that's uh, Tim Grant. So, um, you know, in years gone by when Penrith had, had success both in 91 and 2003, there's no coincidence that they had five or six or even seven local juniors in then teams. Um, Penrith would to become a powerhouse again, they promote those young blokes and promote it now. I've, I've seen some blokes in twenties this year: uh, the fullback moss uh, Satini the centre, um, Bryce Cartwright. Um, I think they're all ready for a shot at first grade, whether it's in the next six weeks or the last six weeks of the competition. I think sometime this year we've got to mud those young blokes and give them a taste, because at the moment they couldn't do any worse.
3: Yeah, just like on what Phil Rothfield said, it seems like. Anytime he gets an opportunity to kick Gus in the ribs, he, he does, you know. Like, And he'd, he'd well know what's going on out here behind the scenes, but there's a there's obviously history there. But um, the mantra at Penrith is exactly what you just said. It's um, Obviously, I'm involved there, and the mantra is they know that when they won those two comps, it was based on junior players. So that's, that's why you see the Harold Matthews, the SG ball in the 20s going so well, because the focus has probably shifted away from the NRL side a little bit. Um, mm. Into building for the next three, four, five years, and I, I can understand sort of what Phil Rothfield said in, in terms of the results. You know, people want results now, and and yada yada yada. But the fact of the matter is, is that Penrith chopped and changed around for ten to fifteen years, and they've gone backwards every time. So, yeah. I, th- I think you know what Gus is doing. Ultimately, is going to uh, end up in a positive. And um, one thing you can't fault Penrith's effort in the in the NRL. Oh, you know, they're, they're trying hard. Yeah. So.
2: Well, Brothers, you know, they're, they're, they're just like a couple of star players, you know. Even like, a couple of the new recruits have come to the club have, have tried their gut that Lewis Brown, Sikamonu's having a big, young Tom Humble's having a big, young Docker. Well, um, the, the, the effort can't be folded. It's just the execution. I mean, against the Cowboys last week, they played a brand of footy that wasn't even an A-grade standard. You know, balls were going behind the, the, ball, the, the bloke who was supposed to catch the ball. That just little one percent effort things that weren't being done stood out. Um, the other club don't do. But they have a chance to rebound this week. Um, you know the, the task doesn't get any easier. Um, but still, the, the, that's a good thing about rugby league. You've got an opportunity to atone uh, the next week, and you know they've got only the nights this weekend. So uh, it's going to be another hard task against probably a team that's probably destined to be eight. But you know, I, I, look personally, I would not. I'm not concerned. Uh, I would say that I would write about it or i would talk about it on the radio if I was concerned about Penrith in a big way. And, um, I, I had before in 2001 and 2002 when we got the wooden spoon, and the year, the year later we won the comp, So, um, you know, juniors, it's juniors are the key, but it's, it's a, as far as Penrith goes, it's a bit of short-term pain for long-term gain.
1: Yeah, well, and that's my most frustrating thing. I'm, I'm not a Panthers supporter myself, but being out here and. Knowing much like we all do, what's going on? You get people constantly say, "I want to win games. Why aren't we buying anyone?" Well, that's the whole point. They got in that hole in the first place and in that debt from overpaying for certain players, and they they went away from the junior mantra, and it's doing the right thing at the moment. They're going to take the pain. They're going to get back to square one. We're going to see some juniors, uh, new training facilities, and at some point, hopefully, we're going to be somewhat like a Brisbane long term or more of a Melbourne, and you know, build dynasties, build sides, and be able to have some success out in the West and something to be proud of. So I can't knock the effort at all. And just like I said, I know everyone's frustrated and you hear it all the time, but that's the up and up of it all. That's what you have to do if you want to last and become a dynasty. And just look at the Broncos. It speaks for itself.
2: 100%.
1: Yep. Uh, Another one you said about concern for the Panthers. Well, what about the Bulldogs? Everyone's starting to get really worried. They are one from five. Uh, Me personally, I'm still not too worried because I think Cassiano and Graham were, you know, they, they handled the ball more at first receiver. Than Keating does, and you know they've got Pritchard and Barber back, but those two, to me, they're the link in between that back line.
2: Oh, yeah, definitely. Especially with uh, Desi Haslam's brand of play, um, where he, it's very heavily forward-orientated with the blacks just basically sniffing, sniffing around for a, a second opportunity off a uh, you know offload off or, a, or a ball that um, popped on whilst in a, a tackle. So, I think uh, Big T-Rex is struggling. I don't think he's an 80-minute player. I know Des is Adamant that he wants to make the team into one, but some players just haven't got the build, the makeup uh, to be an eighty-minute player in today's game, and I think Tony Williams is one of them. For the life of me, I don't know why he's not coming off the bench and just having um, you know up twenty minutes is, is with his uh, the mantra being "may just go out and search and destroy." At the moment, he's trying to. It looks like he's trying to pace himself for eighty minutes, and he's having no impact whatsoever. And for a bloke who's one hundred and fifteen kilos. Six foot three um, runs like a winger. That's
3: just not good enough. Mm. Yeah, I think I think he's just. It's the use of him. It's not his fitness. Uh, he's more effective when he's only playing probably fifty to sixty minutes. Like yeah. you say, take him out of that softening up period. Whack him on when uh, those middle defenders get a little bit tired, and um, you know he's much more effective. So I think you'll see you'll see Des, um probably change his interchange strategy once he gets those players back. I think it's just. He needs to play 80 minutes at the moment in terms of how he's interchanging his bench because they are short on those players. I think once you, once Cassiano comes back, I think you'll see him revert to the bench and, and be the way that everyone's um, sort of saying he should be. They've yeah,
2: got, got three young blokes. Um, Martin DePau, they've got uh, Finucane, uh, Jackson, who can all play 80 minutes. Um, so I don't know why he's, he's waiting for... Cassiano to come back and play, you know, to not use him as an impact off the bench. Mm. I can see, you can see, um, most Bulldog fans can see that uh, his, his best position is, is coming off the interchange bench or starting the game and then going off after 20, getting the breath back and coming back on. I, I now look, and I, to answer the first question from Lewis, I, I, I'm with you. I think that the dogs will come good. there. the type of team that can win 12 or 13 games in a row and, and, and you know, uh, thunder their way into the top four. But um, at the moment, if you would have said at the start of the year, um, after five games, Bulldogs are one and four, you would have said, well, you know, what do you want the peptides or something? You know, <laughs> uh, that's just, that's just bullshit, you know. So, um, yeah, they're a team that still be, they'll be there to reckon with. Uh mainly are looking great. Uh, the storm after last night's game, we looking great. Um, you know, you've got probably another couple of teams who are sticking around who, who look pretty good at the moment. Dragons have come good again and, but mainly the team, and, and mainly, uh, around about this week in regular week, with, uh, with origin looming and all the discussion about side of origin on everyone's, uh, lips at the minute, um, I've made a passionate plea to ja- Jamie Lyon to come out of retirement and basically be, of your state and age, mate. Um, you know, it's, I know he's, he's still pretty, um, uh, he's, he's dirty on the fact that when he came back from St Helens, he got put straight in the uh, Australian team and basically got um, you know, bagged for it. and He hasn't forgiven. But now it's uh, you know four or five years on, he's, he's, a, he's a lot more mature player. Still, for mine, the best centre in the competition. And with him out there in the blue jersey, I think we'll be a lot, a lot better team. But uh, the makeup of the team, if you listen to Larry Daly last night on Matty Jones' show, he's already named basically back one with. Brett sure, it's going to be the fullback. Jared Haynes is going to be on one wing with Morris. Centres haven't been made up yet, but he's, he's going with Mitchell Pearce. Uh, is going to give him the first shot of the title. So if Mitchell Pearce is halfback and Larry Daly wants to stick with him, um, I suggest he, he uses uh, Maloney, his club load, yeah. uh, for, that, for that combination. Yeah,
3: goal well, yeah, we said the same thing the other night. If, if he's going to pick Pearce, we'd probably rather him pick Maloney and then pick Jennings as well. That'll give him sort of an edge. Hmm. Um, that's obviously been used at club. Just on the Jamie Lyon issue, I mean, I find it hard. I don't know. I understand your point of view, but I just don't understand why he doesn't doesn't want to play. I mean, it's it's an arena which, you know, you need to rely on passion. And um, it's on with you. He is one of the top at least two or three centres in the game. Um, it's really strange. It's, it's just, I just don't understand why he doesn't want to play. So... Um, I guess I know Ricky Stewart made the call last year, I think, to Jamie Lyon um, to get him back and was unsuccessful. So um, it'll be interesting to see whether uh, Laurie does pick up the phone and, and whether he can persuade him to uh, to play because you're 100% right that if Jamie Lyon does play, the New South Wales Blues are going to be a much stronger team. Well, yeah, it might be.
2: They're probably full on deaf ears, you know, and, and he's. he's... He's made his motives are personal, um, and, you know, if that's the case, we'll say, then let's get on with life, But, mm. um, I still think we should, you know, we maybe the new coach and, uh, Laurie Daly maybe be a bit closer to him than maybe Sticky is. Uh, I'm, I'm just, you know, guessing here, but, you know, maybe he might have a change of thought. But, um, if he does, I suppose we've to look at Jennings and, and the other centre spot. Um, at the moment, Josh Morris hasn't been real good form and, uh, I suppose he he mirrors the, the doggies at the minute that he, he, he could come good within one game. So um, I probably if I had to, uh, you know, I don't know what young Merritt's done well. I know in in the past Nathan Merritt's defence has been questioned, um, but I think he's scored 144 tries in you know eight or nine seasons. He's he's try scoring prowess. We've got two games today in Zet Stadium, which is the Rabbitohs' home game home ground, so he, he knows exactly every nook and cranny. To explore on that field, so um, and I, I noticed against the Warriors last weekend he, he bulked up a bit, but, but also kept his speed. So um, I, I'd give him a shot. You know, I think that he's just got that X factor about him that you know. And I, I, if I was Day, I'd put him on, the, on one of the wings. Yeah, I'm I don't think Jared Haynes done enough at the minute to, to warrant a spot.
1: Yeah, I'm kind of disappointed that he's come out so openly and named everyone. And uh, you know, for me, I, I still think Reynolds was ready, but I'm not going to really touch on that. He's already said Pierce, so it's not really worth arguing about. But uh, one for me, just throwing it up there before you move on, Kane Lynette for me. I like him in the centre. He's a good defensive player. No one's been yeah. able to stop GI. He dominated Tony Williams the first week. He's dominated anyone that's run at him, and he's a big human and he can attack. So I'm pretty sure he's a blue blood, and if he is, well, if they're not looking at him, I think they're crazy. I think he's a really good player. Yeah, it's not
2: that so far left field as it sounds. I don't mind him at all. I think he's been a big loss. The Roosters. Um, even though have got Jennings, he's he's uh, defence. Um, yeah, big time. So that might be one. That might be one they consider. Oh. Who knows?
1: All right, MG. I've got a couple of quick fire ones here for you. This weekend, the Battle of the Undefeated: Souths and Storm. Who do you like, and why?
2: Um, I, I just can't tip against the Storm. Simple as that. I, 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 you know, I love the Storm. Last night they were suffocated against the Tigers outfit, who whose game plan was to, um you know, basically get penalized every time they can I think this is a perfect opportunity last night to sidetrack the sec for their five minute in inter- the uh, five minutes in bin to be brought back into the game I think that um, in them quality of instances 10 minutes is way too much too harsh a penalty in today's game and inevitably we see a trial being scored when what are players in the bin so to give a team just a bit of a wake-up call and say okay there's uh you know you've got two sets to defend with five, with you know with your mates in the bin for five minutes, they might score, but a big chance that they won't. Um, I think they quickly get the point that the referees are serious and because that tactic last night, while it might have been you know, a close and enthralling game, we don't see that in uh, any other games, when the, especially if it's the same tactics we used this weekend um, to block up the games coming up. So we're back to five minutes in, bin, i say, and I say that the Storm will win, but only just. I think South Sydney is the real deal.
3: Um, this could be a great final preview. Mm. Um just on that mate, we'll I'll take this out of Louis' hands, obviously he's the Melbourne fan, but um watching that game last night from a neutral standpoint, I was getting frustrated with Tigers laying all over the ruck and, and hands in the ruck and hands on the ball and I mean another note that we we're gonna bring up is, you know, have the refs drop the ball. I know I know round one, they came out and they were penalizing for laying in the ruck, hands on the ball. Um, you know, offsides and, and, and walking off the mark and all these sort of little things that, um, you know, they try and clamp down on at the start of each season. But it just seems to me like they've dropped the ball on all of it. And last night, um, if it was any other team, I think Melbourne are so strong and so disciplined and so resilient, I think it, it could have ended up in uh, in a fairly dirty game with a, a couple yeah. of, a couple of brawls, you know, with the tactics that the Tigers employed.
2: Yeah, well, there was 21 penalties. You know, 14 seven, and while you'd think on face value that they, they were all penalties that affected the Tigers having 14 against them, I think they were. I think they were planned. Mm. Um, I, I know the Tigers, the Tigers wouldn't have think they would have known that the Melbourne Storm wouldn't have gonna weren't going to take 2 points at the penalty shots. Um, so there's, there's going to be a deterrent to, to doing that type of thing. You can't just keep blowing the whistle. It can't be you can't have 21, 21 penalties in a rugby league game. It's, it's, it's you know, one every four minutes. It's BS. Um, so you've got to, you know, let the game flow. Both teams have got to do that to make it in strong. You know, I agree 100%. If, um, if the Tigers weren't in that kind of, you know, uh, cluster last night, they tried to just, you know, do a bit, break down everything the Storm did. They, the score might have been ugly. But they stayed in the well. They showed some glimpses of, um, being a team uh, that can make a bit of a difference, maybe come semi time. but Benji Marshall, I think at the moment, uh, as, we, as we speak, is, is going for a scam that couldn't rule really him out for 12 weeks, so a uh, big loss for the Tigers if, if, that's, uh, if that's
1: the case. Yeah, well, I'll stay neutral, like I said, because the Melbourne point of view, but in my eyes, refs have gone soft massively. They, they need to get back to what they'll do in early rounds, that's for sure. Yeah. But uh, before you have to head off and get your beautiful face on the TV, on the back page, mate... <laughs> Yeah. Uh, just a couple of quick fire ones SBW v the Dogs How do you see it going And will the crowd keep themselves in control
2: um, First how I see it going I think the Dogs will bounce back uh, There were signs against the Raiders That I didn't like from the Roosters um, They are back in their old ways And even, even with a bit of Sonny Bill Williams uh, Brilliance um, They couldn't get a win um, I think the Bulldogs will be Fluffing thr- at the mouth um, And they'll, they'll get a win for yeah. uh, the crowd, well, I suppose the Bulldog fans have got every right to do and hiss as much as they want, but you know, you're talking about you, it'll, it'll fall upon we're talking about a bloke who's um, you know, whether you like it or not, he's the heavyweight champion of, of New Zealand and he's been in the boxing ring looking across from a bloke like Bosa, who even though know, he's, he's past his best it's still probably it's still a scary, scary proposition for any mere mortal, so I don't think a bit of Yelling of abuse will affect Sonny Bill
0: Williams. Yeah. Um, and I think,
2: but I'm you, I think the dogs have every, every right to be filthy. Um, you know, they while well, most of us have uh, forgiven and, uh, but never forgotten, They've, uh, they haven't forgiven or forgotten.
1: Yeah, they definitely haven't. And another one, Beals out, ACL, rest of the season. Uh, Dugan, do you sign Josh Dugan, uh, regardless of what's happened with the Brisbane situation? Or Jamie Soward, who's come out and said he'll play fullback? let drink water come in. Which scenario do you like? For me, I think it's insanity to even consider that one. I'd be uh, looking at Dugan, but at the right price and with a bit of structure.
2: Uh, look, I've, I've got on record saying that I think Dugan, did, he needs a year off just to realise how good he's got it. Um, but drastic times call for drastic measures. Um, and it's kind of, the script's been written, hasn't it? It's perfect for Dugan to become a dragon. Um, I don't pay much payments only. I'd only pay him if they won. Um, and then we'll see how, how much he wants it. You know, I, I think the pudding Jamie Soundback, the fullback, nullifies a lot of their attack, um, especially the scrambling attack where he just scoops on balls and it's trial time. Uh, Young yeah, Drinkwater, while all accounts is a, is a, um, a, star in the making, but at the moment I, I, I'm trying to use him through as much as I could around the halves. Um, you know, obviously him half-back, I'd have South at 5-8 with not team, the hooker, with, uh, Rain. I think Rain's more of a, I think he's more of a, you know, come off the bench type, like Phil, Phil's, but everywhere. I want to see Drinkwater get involved, you know, sooner rather than later. But the, the, the scene does seem set for uh, Josh Newton in return to the Dragons. And, you know, um, well, I suppose um, uh, three weeks ago we were all we been up in arms about it. But again, here we are at uh, the crossroads and we say, okay, well, let's give him another go. And you know, like I say, let's just give him match payments. Uh, yeah, he gets paid if you win.
1: Yeah, well, I agree with that one because, on top of that, if he doesn't get a win, he's not going to be able to afford to buy a pineapple cruises. So they have to drink gold <laughs> or red, so it's probably yeah, not a bad idea. He's not in the, he's not <laughs> in the
2: first grade club in history. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. All right, well, one final one before you have to leave us. Anzac Test coming up. I don't know about you, and I don't know about Brock, so I want to get both of your thoughts on this one. Is there a bolter not just for Australia but for New Zealand? Do you see anyone uh, emerging a bit of a surprise? Um, well, I think Jesse Bromwich is going to
2: be a bit of a. If he's a bolter, I think he should be one of the first forwards picked for the uh, Kiwis. Um I think maybe Luke Lewis or Gillette will fight out the uh, uh, the interchange bench spot for the the blue uh, for the Kangaroos. Um, I don't see no, I don't see many boulders. I think it's going to be pretty uh, pretty similar to what we've seen in the past from the Aussies. You know, they have the big boys up front from the Cowboys at Smith and uh, the back row up Friday and with Watmau or Hoffman or. or with uh, Greg Bird at Locke or Myles at Lock, And then the that that they make that team, will be on the bench. And I think the back picks picked itself. It's basically the Queensland back line. So um, there's maybe a, a winger from New South Wales being Morris or, or someone. So a uh, strong team. Uh, but I think the Kiwis can be a strong team too if they, if they pick the right one. Uh, that's just how they do. Because these these one-off the tests have, have, failed, have failed to reach any great heights in the, in the years gone by. Um, yeah, I can see it
3: being the same again if uh, New Zealand don't pick the right team. I, I like. Um, I'd like to see the Aussies pick uh, Ryan Hoffman. I'd, yeah. I'd really like to see yeah. him get a Give get a jersey. Um, or Josh Jackson. I think he, he could earn himself a bench spot. I think he's um, he's been playing really well. So. Um, just yeah. a couple of
2: bolters.
1: Yeah, they are
2: they're good bolters, and I like them. On my um, blood, let's uh, see how close you get to them. And I might uh, have a little side there with you on that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Whoever's
1: wrong place for dumplings next time. <laughs> yeah. well, Happy days. I, I'm I'm definitely a bit biased, but for me, I think Tohu Harris should be considered for New Zealand. I love him. Yeah, mate. he's a bolter. He's, he's
2: been playing sensationally, has not he?
1: Mate, they chucked uh, Chris and Inu after one game, so I'd throw him up. And another one, just because I'm that kind of bloke, is Lamapa, the new center for the Warriors. I absolutely love the bloke. If him or Conrad Harrell doesn't get Matai's vacant spot well then I'll go bash Stephen Kearney myself yeah good
2: work here Moxie Louis after you brother yep <laughs> whatever your nickname is I'm coming for you
1: <laughs> <laughs> whatever you did to Jeremy McCracken it's not happening here because I don't I don't have a neck alright <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. alright brother uh, have a good week boys yeah you no worries, too buddy. buddy thanks a lot MJ yeah as always a big thank you to Mark Geyer for joining us you can catch him 6-9 on Triple M's Grill Team 104.9. He still has his article in the Rugby League Week and also at Twitter at MarkMGGuyre. Now it's time for the Fast Five. Having trouble keeping track of all the play movements and signings in the NRL? Want to know who your team has re-signed, who they gained and who they've lost for the next season? Well, check out www.zerotackle.com for all the latest news and rumours on the NRL. ZeroTackle.com. Alrighty then, time for our Fast Five, as we do every week. A highlight, low light, best player, dance of the week, and the question of the week. And Brock, you've got last week's poll. Last week's poll, yeah, of course, it was the uh,
3: discussion whether the shoulder charge rule should be relaxed, um, and it was a a disagree or agree. It was pretty unanimous. We had 30 uh, people agree that the shoulder charge rule should be relaxed, obviously because they're not... uh, they're not policing it as, it as is anyway, and we only had two people disagree. We were looking for some comments from those that uh, disagreed, but unfortunately, there was uh, none forthcoming. Uh, this week's poll, um, we've just spoken to MG about it the, uh, the situation with the New South Wales 5 8. Uh, so, Laurie Daly has selected Pierce as New South Wales number 7. So, who would you select to partner in the halves? The choices are Josh Reynolds, Adam Reynolds, James Maloney. John Sutton and Todd Carney. So jump onto the Facebook page, guys, and vote on that. Um, and leave a comment.
1: And for anyone wondering about the Adam Reynolds situation, don't bother going on about, oh, he's a halfback. Laurie said it himself last night. He will be considered uh, as a 5'8", or the 7", either way. But uh, as things look at the moment, I'm going to put my vote in right now. It'd be James Maloney if Pierce is going to be the halfback. Yep, I agree. Alrighty then. Highlight of the week for me, I had the Eels. They've come back from a 50-0 drubbing to win the John Menor Cup. Uh, Tim Manor, huge game, 150 metres, plenty of carries, 30-something tackles, uh, good turnaround and just uh, really happy to see him uh, have such a great game and a big occasion. Yep,
3: that that was my highlight. Um, Not so much the fact that they got pumped the week before or uh, even the fact that they won. It was just the performance of John Manor in that game. um, He also was my player of the week um, for that reason exactly. Man in the match performance in such a difficult, um, not difficult, but an emotional stage. Um, I, I thought the way that Parramatta and the Sharks handled it was was brilliant. Um, you know that should be the the, the basis or the draft or, or template for any uh, any occasion like that into the future. It was um, it was great to see. And he played enormous, won the man the match award and got his team to win. Good on. Uh, you.
1: Low light of the week for me. Don't even need to say any more than this. The Penrith Panthers just terrible on the weekend. Absolutely terrible.
3: Yeah, they were awful. Um, my low light was the. Premature death of young uh, Jake Kedsley at the weekend. Um, he obviously passed away in a game on the mid North Coast. So, um, you know, on behalf of, of both of us, uh, we'd like to send our condolences to the family. It's it's a tragedy when anything this, like this happens, especially so young. And and the incident, from all reports, was fairly innocuous. So um, he's actually the grandson of Tommy Rudonicus.
1: So, um, yeah. Not good. Yeah, an under-15s player for the Sawtell Panthers and uh, was scouted heavily by the West Tigers. So rest in peace to him and our, our best wishes and our, our heartfelt condolence goes out to his family. But uh, best player for the week, I couldn't split the centre pairing of Conrad Harrell and Nagani Lamarpa. You know me, I love a bit of Bash and Barge. Two little powerful nuggets. They both got a try each. Over 100 metres apiece and two line breaks between them. Fantastic young centres.
3: Yeah, they were probably unlucky to lose that game in the end. Obviously, mine was Tim Manor, but I'll also throw in. I thought Adam Reynolds was brewing again on the weekend. Um, he made a couple of plays in that game, which, um, again, made me think he, he's, he's more than ready for uh, for state of origin. Uh, there was a chip and chase at one stage there where he almost regathered it. The ball went right back. It was unorganised play. Adam Reynolds picked it up, grubbed it through chipped again, almost regathered and scored, um, I think he's more than ready. His kicking game in particular and his ability to get repeat sets for his team I think is um, you know, a, a great skill at such a young age.
1: Yeah, well, For me, the the dance of the week, our uh, last part of the final five would have to be the whole Penrith Panthers team and uh, one individual, Adam Blair, last night. He had a, a few grub moments against the Storm. I'm obviously going to sound biased because he's an ex-player and he played against the Storm, but... Just, you know, some of the chicken wing the week before he we got away with. Last night, the leg pull on Proctor, trying to bend it off. And he gets things in like that all the time. Gordon Tellers touched on it the other week that uh, they should get him up at the judiciary and fry him, and I think it's about time he gets punished for something.
3: Yeah, he's getting away with a lot. Last night, it was, um, you know, more than obvious, and he, and he wasn't penalised at all. Um, there was two lowlights for me. I The first was Tony Williams' performance on Friday night. I thought, uh, you know, he only made 50 yards um, in 80 minutes of football, which is... Fairly ordinary. Um, I would have thought this would have been the week where the big T-Rex uh, awoke um, and found his form, especially against his old club, but it didn't happen. The other one was a Bodine Thompson grass cut last night in the uh, Storm Tigers game. Um, he attacked the legs of Gareth Widdop. Uh, it was penalised, and, and while we are sitting there watching it, we thought that uh, it was actually the Tigers that were penalised where they, they come back after the ball's recovered, and it's it's the Storm that were penalised. I found that ridiculous. um you can't go and attack the legs of a player, and it looked fairly
1: deliberate. Yeah, I definitely agree there. I'm obviously biased, it sounds again, but shoulder charge technique, eyes off what was going on, and he jumped at his legs. But uh, that's the fast five for this weekend. Get onto the poll question on the Facebook page. Go up to the search bar, fifth and last NRL podcast. And for those of, us, those of you who are already on the page, pretty straightforward. Same as always. Click on the button. Tell us who you like. Moving on to the reviews of the games from the weekend. For all the latest rugby league gear, head into Leagues and Legends, now based at Shell Harbour, Mount Druitt Westfields and Campbelltown Mall Store. Or check them out online at www.nrlstore.com.au. For fifth and last listeners, you can receive free delivery on any 2013 adult NRL jersey. Be quick, jersey selling fast. Remember, www.nrlstore.com.au. Leagues and Legends. All right, jumping into our reviews of the weekend's action. Starting off with the doubleheader on Friday night with the Dogs and the Eagles, the first game. The Eagles, 20-6 to 6 over former mentor Dez Hasler. Uh, I just kind of look at this result. Uh, a lot of people now are worried about the Bulldogs. As far as I'm concerned, they've still got nothing to worry about. Graham and Cassiano, obviously, a lot of first receiver. They're, they're the missing link right now when they get back and Barber's got a bit more fitness under his belt. I think they'll be fine.
3: Yeah, I I'm more probably took out of this game that uh, Manly were good, not so much that the Bulldogs are bad. Uh, Manly, when they got their opportunities down in the uh, Bulldogs' end, they were uh, very clinical. They, they took their chances. Whereas when the Bulldogs had possession down uh, at Manly's end, they really struggled to score points.
1: Yeah, well, I just thought flat, a little bit lost. Obviously, Chris Keating, it's showing now that the difference without Graham and Cassiano, especially against the quality opposition. Uh, Barber's obviously very underdone at this point in time He didn't really get those critical weeks in there With those trial games He had that one against Canberra But a big stat for me are the metres 1,500 metres made by Manly Only 1,000 by the Bulldogs And 11 to uh, 2 offloads So I think that shows enough right there as far as go forward
3: Yeah, and mean Tony Williams made 50 metres in 80 minutes Which uh, isn't good enough I thought it was Brett Stewart's by far and away It was his best performance of the season He really clicked into gear on Friday night um, so that's obviously a positive if uh, Laurie Daly is going to select him for New South Wales this year.
1: Yeah, well, two try assists, and it's uh, good to see him finally come in and show that he's you know very smooth on the ball and chiming into that back line. And his brother's still yet to come back, so hopefully that will make things uh, even more fluent. Uh, for them, I think Wattmau and Lawrence, 150 metres apiece, good go forward. Obviously, as I said before, in the stats, it was pretty obvious that... Uh, the forwards is where it was won, and the second phase play killed off the big men.
3: Yeah, What he looks injury-free. He's going really well, so um, he'll definitely be picked in the New South Wales side somewhere. Uh, Brenton Lawrence, he, uh, he was sort of a, a mediocre player, I guess, at the Titans last year, and um, since he's gone to Manly, he's found a new lease of life. He's
1: probably been their best front rower this year, I- I'd say. Yeah, well, Jamie Lyon was pretty good in that one, and uh, obviously George Tufua can't stop scoring tries. I know a lot of them are getting thrown there, but I think he's a fantastic young player. But what about uh, the uh, Anthony Watmo and Michael Ennis?
3: Bruhaha, the little comment from uh, Ennis that fired Watmo up, and it was almost, almost all on. Uh, It's it's come out that uh, Ennis called him a peanut. So
1: (laughs) he's pretty much on the mark with that. Obviously, uh, Anthony Wattmower is not a form of uh, any form of nut or cashews or almonds. uh, I'm very impressed by the Eagles. I know I wrote them off saying they're a bit old, but they keep proving me wrong. I think uh, only injuries can slow them down, and I still maintain they have a lack of depth. But for now, they're racking up the points, and uh, they look certain for the eight. But Mm. Bulldogs fans, I wouldn't panic too much. Cassiano and graham they're they're the the missing link. They've played a lot more first receiver than Keating. Them back, Barber Fit, they they can go on a run, so I wouldn't be too worried there. Dog shape up this week, away to the Roosters. Obviously massive, the game where they play SBW. Uh, Live and let live as far as I'm concerned. It's been a long time. I know they will will never forgive or forget, but uh, I don't really think that's a big factor in the game this week. Well, The club's changed a lot since then. Not many of the people
3: that were there when that happened. Um, are still there now so yeah it's a bit of a non-event I think the papers will write it up yeah they Um, will the media will hype it up obviously and and trying to get a big crowd there
1: still a good game though battle of Ford packs I wish they had Cassiano and Graham it would be an absolute killer game with uh, them and Jared focus on the game Sonny Bill but uh, Eagles they're home this week against the Sharks Uh, for me I've backed the Sharks last two weeks they've let me down Flanagan's brought it up. There's no way to hide it. They're being interviewed. They're being investigated. Um, for me, it's pretty straightforward. Eagles at Brookvale. Yeah, uh, no second guessing that yeah, one. Dangerous ones for the Sharkies. Mm. And why manly are flying? Uh, you know, you just you just stick with it. You just stick with it. No doubt about that. Yeah, especially but, at Brookie. Yeah. Well, we had the Queensland derby. The Gold Coast yeah. Titans were at home to the Broncos, but unfortunately went down thirty-two to twelve. Aiden Caesar pulling out before kickoff. Albert Kelly looking really good, scored a cracker of a try in the first half mm. and then went off with a leg injury, which don't panic Titans fans. Looks like it's only going to be a couple of weeks. But uh, after that, they were just out muscled and out enthused. I thought oh, the first half was an awesome half of football, great mm. by both teams. But second half, uh, you know, you can't be missing both your halves and expect to have too much impact. But. Full credit at the same time to the Broncos. They've certainly sparked up the last two weeks.
3: Yeah, and I was just about to say that. The the writing was on the wall after their second-half performance against Melbourne last week. I was worried as a Titans fan heading into this one. I was really proud of um, the fact that they... I think it was 16-12 with 20 to go in this, um, and then the Broncos ran away with it in the end. But um, obviously losing Kelly, losing Caesar before kickoff wasn't ideal. Um, Now, this week, it looks like we won't have Kelly, Caesar no Takarangi, no Matt Shrama, and no Dave Taylor. So um, there's a lot of guys out this week too. So that's very similar to what we just said about Manly in terms of depth. That is the Titans' weakness. And and for me, um, even as a Titans fan, I think Parramatta, if they come up and play as well as they did against the Sharks, they'll beat us this weekend because we just don't have the depth.
1: Yeah, well, just some key numbers here, and it just shows how badly they're out-muscled and a bit of lack of the halves and the forwards in the second half. 400 less meters in the Broncos. Second phase was 11 to four as far as the offloads, but line breaks. We we're all concerned about Brisbane's attack the other week. Mm. Seven line breaks to three, so they're definitely back. Um, I was worried about Reed off the shoulder reconstruction. Look fantastic. Hoffman looks like he's accepted the wing roll and is trying to audition for fullback again.
3: Yeah,
1: Hodges back. Wallace and Prince obviously had a, a point to prove, and uh, the forward pack. I've kind of thought that Parker has been a bit quiet this year but him and Hennett and Gillette the other night awesome and I'll keep riding McCulloch's wave. he's number two as far as I'm concerned behind Kevin Smith and if Kevin Smith ever got injured I don't think they'd lose too much having Andrew McCulloch as the Maroons uh, hooker and,
3: and he's only young he's only going to get better Andrew McCulloch he's a brilliant young player and uh, he set up a couple of tries and scored one I think the other night so mm. um, no the Brisbane too good full credit to him yep. um, they seem to be coming good uh, the Titans, now injury problems. So, yeah, Yeah,
1: it's time to be tested, yeah. so you see what they've got now. Well, I think get both both the halves back. They obviously get a little more direction. But, yeah, uh, the all-round squad depth, you lose a couple of those forwards and you, you've got some problems. But yeah. uh, we'll see how they go this week. And speaking of their opponents, as we said, they're going to be playing the Eels. And uh, I 100% agree with you. It, it's a massive danger game. Whether the Eels can stay consistent is uh, another thing. Uh, very emotional and powerful draining week last week but i think it's definitely a danger game with the depth and uh, the broncos they're home again another queensland derby against little brother north queensland who finally got back on the winners list with the 30 zip one over the panthers uh i'm gonna back the broncos and a couple of weeks ago i wouldn't have said that but they they look like they're about to build into something nice before the origin period so uh moving on the the eels as we just mentioned they had a saturday night clash for the john Menna cup and uh what, what what a great occasion that was! I thought it was all handled fantastic, and they got the got the Bickies thirteen to six against the Sharks, who just looked flat.
3: Yeah, uh, obviously coming out of this, even before a ball was kicked, I, I had a pretty good feeling in my stomach. Um, I was actually listening to this on the uh, on the way home from from sunny Canberra on Saturday. But um, look, I, I mean, Parramatta obviously had everything to play for in this. Tim Manor was sensational, absolutely brilliant. Um, I thought the Sharks, they were awful in this um, the Asada investigation. That's what Shane Flanagan's obviously pinning it on, but they're professional footballers. Um, so I, I thought their performance was well below par. Uh, and they seem to have run out of gas in terms of their uh, you know the passion and the, the push for Flano. Um, they're running out of reasons to play.
1: Yeah, well, summing up them, I said the last couple of weeks, and I'm kind of getting sick of saying it, but three players for one stood out again, Gallon, Fafita and Gordon but also proof in the pudding of what I said at the start of the year not having centers uh Carney being the only dominant half because Townsend was on his own again with Robson they lack direction and on the back of Gallon getting 190 meters Fafita getting 140 and Michael Gordon 230 in a try you need to convert off the back of meters and uh yeah. they definitely miss Carney and all around they're just lacking direction mm-hmm. uh, especially at a nine now I I don't mind DeGoyce you know he's he's a pretty lively character but he's not really playing many minutes and John Morris is there. He, he's a, a pretty stock standard. Just, you know, tip it onto your forwards. They, they need more creativity in those key positions.
3: Yeah. Was the, is the young fella in the
1: 20s, Leisha? Michael Leisha come back on the weekend, played 20s. Uh, he's he's back a couple of weeks earlier than expected, but he looks really underdone. So that that's not okay. exactly... So looking, he's still
3: probably a month away.
1: Yeah, it's not looking like a great option at this point in time, but uh, they did buy Pat Polatini, who played first grade for the Tigers last year. He's a bit more lively. He's playing the New South Wales Cup, but I still don't see that being an answer. Well, I said three weeks ago
3: that I thought the Sharks could miss the eight. Um, mm. I'm going to stick by that. No, I think they'll miss the eight. They're oh. uh, they're going terribly, and as long as this Asada investigation is hanging around, it looks like it's really going to drag them down in the doldrums.
1: Well, they really burned me because I said I still saw them in there, and purely, you know, just on those forwards, I think uh, I'm with you. You're a professional football player. I know there's plenty hanging over them, but you've got to turn up every week. You've got to get things done, but. Full credit to Parramatta. One key thing the week before, errors and missed tackles. This week was 14-6 errors. So the Sharks uh, definitely dominated that one. Over 80% for the Eels' completions. Fantastic. 50-0. They got smashed and then they bounced back with that. Um, yep. Tim Manor, like we said, fantastic game. Uh, just, I, I didn't actually get to see who was the man in the match, but if it wasn't oh, you, it was I'd that be was... very surprised.
0: Jared Hayne
1: looked keen made 160 meters Morgan got moved to the opposite side of the field there he got himself a double and uh I've been giving a bit of stick to their bench especially Lusick, because he signed for pretty big money he made 140 meters so he did what he should and all good came on made 130 as well so all-round for them, that that's uh, great, but I just don't want to see another shadow next week when they go from a great performance to a drubbing. So. Well,
3: I hope they do go from a great performance yeah, to a well, drubbing. From the, but, yeah. Um, well, obviously, they go play the Titans, and it doesn't get any easier for the Sharks, They so you go
1: to Brookvale. Yeah, well, I think uh, for me, I'm going to back the Eels in purely because you guys are missing a few troops, but it wouldn't surprise me if they fell face first and disappointed me again, and uh, the Eels, Eagles, my God. But uh, the second Saturday night game, Cowboys versus Panthers, well... 30-0, they got the win. Uh, I'm still not impressed by the Cowboys, though. There was a few scrappy tries in there. I think it was 24-0 at halftime, if I'm not mistaken, and they only managed to score one more in the second half against a Penrith side that looked like Josh Mansour was playing wing, front row, half back, fullback. He, he was everywhere, but other than that, they, they just looked, you know, absolutely shock out of answers. Austin couldn't get into the game at all. They, they never had any good ball. They never had any go forward, and... Uh, Wow, like, what What else do you say? That Their window got smashed in, in the car park when they turned up on the bus, so I think that was a sign sort of things to come.
3: Yeah, it was just one of those nights for the Panthers. Um, 43% possession. Uh, they only had 30 sets with the ball, and uh, they struggled to make metres and obviously tackle their backsides off in, in what is a, a draining heat up in North Queensland. Look, I mean, for me, Penrith probably did well to only only have it be 30-0 in the end. Um, I think and it was 30-0 fairly early in the second half. It was... Penrith fought on hard, um, as we said with MG earlier. I can't fault the effort of the Penrith players. They're just lacking a little bit of class mm. at the moment, and they're in a rebuilding phase. So, but but I expect them to com- uh, to improve. I, I don't know whether that halves combination is gonna is here to stay. I, I think they they bought Isaac John, so I, I think it might be time to give him a crack at the seven position. Um, but for me, I the Cowboys they did impress me early, um, but they just took their foot off the pedal. It seemed
1: to me. That, it's it's um, still disjointed, though. like yeah. And, I, you know, one thing that's glaring me in the eye is, is the back row. I know Cooper's solid and Johnson's solid and, and Glenn's solid, but there's nothing like in the modern day, like the real dominant teams have a gun back row. And I know they've got Sims and Tamalolo. Tamalolo's still adjusting to first grade. Believe it or not, he's only 20 years old. He can mm. still play 20s, which is ridiculous, but... Sims, a couple of broken legs. They need an impact back row. I think that's the well, one I, thing
3: I said that a couple of weeks yeah. ago. The, the three back rows have got a two alike. They need mm. to have one of those guys start. So I think Neil Henry is moving towards that. He's obviously he dropped Tarek Sims back to Queensland Cup mm. two weeks ago and to get it some took fitness. One so, week. <laughs> yeah, well, I think that was more uh, how the Cowboys have been playing. Yeah. Not so much that he didn't want to uh,
1: give him the time. So well, Scott Moore, someone I was pretty keen to have. Every I liked the look of him. He got punted this week. Mm. Uh, share time between Koss, Jason and, obviously, Anthony Mitchell. Still not nothing fantastic. Well, their their opponent didn't really offer too much, so I didn't really get too much out of the, the number nine situation there. I do like Rory Koss, Jason though. He's a solid player, so if I think... If they're going to persist forward, I think he has to be there purely... He is the well, nine. been named nine. He's the nine, and I think defensively, Mitchell's a bit, uh, bit inconsistent. Robert Louis made his comeback finally after all the... Yeah. Allegations and the problems, and uh, look what happened. He, he played a couple, couple of sets, and hurt his knee after scoring a try. Yep. So that's karma, you know. Uh, that's you karma. Know, That's rough. Thurston ridiculously busy again. Um, he, if anything, he looks like he's trying too hard. I've been kind of disappointed, but now I've watched a couple of the games again. He looks like he's doing way too much and. Everyone's ragged on those two front rowers. They haven't made under 100... They've made over 100 metres in every single game. Both made 150. Mm. And I think they're carrying the weight of what we're talking about. Those back rowers need to convert on what they're getting out of the middle. One more wrap. Kane Lynette. Uh, like I said, boulder for me. Absolutely outstanding. Yeah, great I, defensively. I thought uh, Matty Scott returned
3: to form. He was mm. excellent the other night. Um, and I, I think... Thurston's waiting for Matty Bowen to spark up. Mm. Um, he sort of he had some nice touches in this. His form is gradually improving, but I think the more that Matt Bowen gets a, uh, the ball in his hands and starts to ball play a little bit, that the more pressure it'll take off Thurston. Uh, and then obviously, the sooner he can find a halves partner that's settled, uh, mm. he's going to the better for
1: him as well. Well, he showed on the weekend. He got two tries this Matt Bowen, and that's the first time he's chimed in. So he yeah. needs that help. He is there. Per se, he's his half's partner, really, yeah. whoever's there. And the seven just seems to be a bit of a sidekick, but all in all, still a bit disjointed. Uh, one other person I'm, I'm love seeing back is Fire Law. I don't know why he got dropped last year. He became a Kiwi International and he he just disappeared. But great to see him back. But, you know, yeah. they, they need to be a little more solid. Penrith, well, they're just going to have to keep trying. It's as simple as that. Yeah, well, the
3: Penrith, Penrith have got Newcastle at Newcastle and Cowboys have got Brisbane at Brisbane. So...
1: Tough task for both those sides. Mm. Well, Sunday games, there was a triple header. My favourite day to watch the football. It kicked off with the Warriors over in New Zealand against Souths and 24-22. I couldn't believe how badly Souths took their foot off the throat. But the Warriors, they look like they're back. They looked fantastic. Yeah,
3: well, they were uh, unlucky to get beat in the end. It just
1: seemed like a lack of confidence um,
3: in terms of closing that game out. The cost them in the end. Uh, and a couple of little touches of brilliance. Uh, Greg Inglis scored a runaway try. Nathan Merritt scored a, uh, a really good individual try. So that was probably the difference in the end. But, uh, yeah, the Warriors look like they're getting used to the way that um, Elliot wants them to play. Uh, you know, Sean Johnson's sparking back up a little bit. Um, yep. He's taken- So I think Nathan Friend coming back to helped them out a lot. So, I
1: mean, all things look good for the Warriors. Mm. I looked at the numbers for this one. It was pretty much all even, bar the offloads in the second half when they let the Warriors, uh, mm. as you say, get a bit of NOS. They yeah. the, get, get a bit of NOS in their boots, the Kiwi boys, and start throwing the pill around. But mm. here's one that absolutely tore me up. You've got Menering, Madalino, Mateo. Yep. Between them, eight offloads, and they all made over 100 metres and made a good impact. Uh, you've got Dave Tyrrell, Roy Azatazi... Chris McQueen, Ben Teo, 30 metres, 40 metres apiece and 60. Mm. And the Burgesses both made 100. So I think there's a little little key stat there for you on the weekend. They played a bigger side. Everyone's been talking about how big Souths are, but they only had two forwards go over 100, and those other guys, well, they just non-existent, you know. They they really fell out of the contest when the Warriors put it on them, out-muscled them and started getting a bit of second phase. And uh... Well, I look at this game and I, I sort of thought, that's a
3: game that the old South Sydney loses mm. Um, and that's the difference now between where they're at, or sorry, where they were and then where they are now. They, they are definitely a top four side. Um, and, I mean, this week they, they get the real test, don't they? Melbourne mm. come up here to ANZ Stadium. Uh, Souths are going to get conditions to suit. Melbourne have been up for a long time. If Souths are ever going to beat them, um, this weekend is it. Um, mm. But
1: uh, until South beat Melbourne, um, I'm going to be on the storm. Mate, the no. young the young players in this game, Hurle and Lamape, meter eaters, four line breaks a try each, and obviously we keep referring to Adam Reynolds every week. Great short kicking game. I don't think there's many better than him or Cronk as far as converting repeat sets. And uh, I, I just couldn't believe that they got away with that one, but they did. And you know, like mm-hmm. you said, this week's the real test. If you're going to walk into a game and let anyone back in, you w- wouldn't want to let the Storm back into no, the game if no. they've got them down this week. They have to put the foot on the throat and just terminate the storm. Yeah, and it doesn't get any
3: easier for the Warriors. I mean, they get now go to Canberra Stadium mm. to play the Raiders, who put in a great
1: performance on Sunday night. And the thing you hope for this, they spoke to Sam Repier after the game. He looked crushed then mm. they lost that game. So I'm just hoping that they're not deflated and they don't bring a bad attitude because they looked awesome. Well, the, the difference in form compared to when they play New Zealand and Australia
3: is poles apart. So mm. um, it doesn't look good, especially having to go to Canberra. It's a tough road trip.
1: Well, we want to talk about teams on the bounce back and what was a weekend of upsets. The Dragons, 19-16 to 16 over the Knights. Um, I just couldn't believe the weekend. We had the Eels bounce back. We had the Broncos, the Warriors, the Dragons. Like, there, was, there was a bunch of them, but... This one really impressed me. I thought they were ridiculously enthusiastic, and they just out grinded and out enthused with you know Merrin offloads again. Frizzell I thought was awesome in the back row, and Mitchell Rain. I uh, just I really like the young bloke and. Stockwell moving into the front row why Wayman's been hurt with Dan Hunt, who made 200 metres. They, all around, they were just ridiculous. Well, I'm going to
3: give a wrap to Steve Price. I thought, mm. for 18 months, he's tried to employ the Wayne Bennett game plan. Yep. And uh, Matty John said it well last night. It seems like Steve Price has finally become his own man. He's mm. employed the philosophy that he thinks is um, going to be best suited and, and most successful for the Dragons. And it looks like they got a whole new lease of life. Yeah. I, I mean... Um, their defence is sensational. Their defence has always been brilliant. I, I rank their defence um, right up there. I think last year, even running ninth, their defence I think was third or fourth in the competition. So that's never going to be a problem. Um, they've, that's one thing out of the Wayne Bennett area that they've been able to hold on to that that really steely resilience in defence. And they've got some great defensive players mm. um, on their edges. But their attack has been the massive issue. And um, I mean, they only scored nineteen points. Mm. Um, and that's going to have to be their philosophy for the for the rest of the year. Let's score 20, uh, you know, between three and four tries and let's back out a fence to to get us home. You know, I, there was a period in this game and I said it as, as one of my highlights where Newcastle threw the ball around willy-nilly back and forth for about 30 seconds um, and the Dragons just repelled, repelled, repelled and, and tackled the guy a meter out from the line and, and turned the ball over and ended up winning them the game. But... Um, their resilience in,
1: in defence is definitely what's uh, what's setting them apart at the moment. there was absolutely no punch from the Newcastle side. They had no forward over 100 metres. A lot of their backs got over 100, but when you look at that, that was purely on number of carries because mm. it was just scoot sets. They were kicking them to death. They were getting the ball down there nice and early. Uh, the, the Dragons, I know I said at the start of the year, I had them somewhere at second last, but I thought they could maybe slide into the eight. I refuse to believe anyone that says they still don't have a good team. People are whinging about who they've lost. My reasoning for that was Price playing how you said, Wayne Bennett's system. Yeah, He doesn't have Darius Boyd anymore, so you can't play down that left-hand side. Yeah, Matt Cooper's not getting any younger. That's just not the same edge. But you've got Morris, Nightingale, a fantastic forward pack. Mitchell Rain's one of the best young hookers going around. Yeah. They played their game plan on the weekend. Lots of two tipping them. Early kicking and getting the offload, so stick to that. Become your own man, and I hope you—you know—I really do hope he keeps this added
3: football. They don't have a a wooden spoon roster, no. no. If you put their roster next to Parramatta's or Penrith um, or Penrith, exactly, you know, they. Well, even I'd even say the Gold Coast, almost. You know, like these sides that are down the bottom, you know, six teams on the ladder. I'd argue that St. George have just it's more a, a roster as well. It's more depth. Depth yeah. is what it
1: is. But they're best 17. Oh, I, mean they've got,
3: I think they've got some depth there. Obviously, they've got they had options in the halves. Um, Drinkwater came in. He played pretty well on the weekend. So
1: well, uh, They may be finding Josh Dugan replacing Beale at fullback oh, if they do sign yeah. him. So there's another one. And Beal was a Kiwi international, so they've got internationals in their back line. They've got origin players in the forward pack. Hmm. So oh, I don't really think they can complain. It's more the injuries uh Newcastle, for me, it was the same thing again. I got excited one week and then I was disappointed again. So,
3: Well, for me now, I, you can't back Newcastle away from home.
1: No. Nah, at home, um, it pretty much seems like it's become a bit of a fortress. I thought, they,
3: I thought Newcastle played for 80 minutes but well. They I, did. I did. I did think they tried their, their guts out right until the end. And,
1: and to St. George's credit, they um, held on. Yeah, I think what showed a flaw, Wayne Bennett's game plan is, you know usually pretty basic, but how badly they were turned around and bashed in their own. And surely at some point you send the message out and say, look, we can't just go one out anymore. We need to score a try. They needed to open up a little bit, and they they refused to. It just didn't happen. Yeah.
3: Well, they've gone away from that block-block play, mm. the Dragons, and it's the best thing Steve Price has done as a coach. Yeah, well, their fixtures obviously come up this week are fairly important. Yeah. Yeah, the Dragons, they go to the SCG. They play the Tigers. And the, uh, Newcastle are at home to the Panthers. So you think, based on Newcastle's form, they beat the Panthers. Um, and I think that'll be a cracker, the Tigers and the Dragons.
1: Yeah, well, I think uh, it's starting to take a bit more shape now after a couple of rounds as we all get to see what teams are doing. But so far, everyone seems to be fairly split besides the two on top and Manly. So uh, great round of football, and we're all still trying to decipher the puzzle that is the NRL ladder. But moving on to the third Sunday game, uh, a cold night in Canberra. Due on the field, and the Roosters just fell straight into the trap last week. Lots of two-tipping football, good shape with the forwards, lots of go-forward, and they just went down to Canberra and played Canberra at their own game. They went one out. They got bashed. Uh, James Maloney looked like he was on his lonesome with a, a try and a try-assist, a line break, and he just got no help whatsoever. They they didn't even make over a 1,000 metres. The Raiders obviously... Thrive on teams trying to play them through the middle because they're not exactly the most mobile pack and the Roosters walk straight into that one.
3: Yeah, well, they led 16-0 at halftime, the Roosters, and I've got a feeling that they might have thought it was wrapped up um, because second half they came out and just threw the game plan that was working out the window. They got back into their old habits, which were my concern at the start of the year, making errors, giving away penalties. Uh, They made almost 100 more tackles than the Raiders and um, I, I didn't think the Raiders were that great first half, but they were gifted enough possession for them to be invited back into the game and, and that's where the Roosters got burned in the end and uh, full credit to the Raiders they, 16-0 is a pretty daunting uh, daunting deficit especially with uh, you know half an hour left
1: on the clock and um, I thought they handled it really well and uh, good on them, great comeback Yeah, well like we said, Don at first half Maloney for me, uh, number one for the Roosters mm-hmm. he, he played the whole 80 minutes besides that, I, their, their forwards really let him down after last week I thought their forward pack was awesome yeah. Uh, the backs as well nothing really too fantastic there but as far as Canberra was concerned first half was absolutely terrible there was no fluency but the second half williams set up three tries scored by himself uh, in that one uh good to see young anthony milford who we've heard plenty about uh, the broncos tried to lure him back up they hit that way with big money but he stayed debuted Croker, second youngest bloke in canberra history to play 100 games and how good was Shillington trying to bash CMO? That they, was, they, they tried yeah. to kill each other. That was a good little uh, little battle that went on for uh, the majority of the game. And um, that's what footy's all
3: about. That was mm. great to watch. We were um, we were having a good old chuckle watching that game. Um, I thought full credit to Dave Ferner for starting yep. uh, Matt, Matt McIlroy. That was great. Yep. Um, it's a real positive move. And he, he gave them more spark out of there. I think he's a mm. better, better pass, um, short
1: and long. So... Mate, stick with it, Ferner. That was good. Well, that's all I was going to say. Two points to finish on. The Roosters need to get back to what they were doing. Their forward pack played one out. They look so much better when they move it and two tip and play through. And uh, as far as the Raiders are concerned, Ferner, just keep Kiwi there. There's no rocket science. You have to have watched that video and seen him getting out of dummy half, chewing up the meters, and making that forward pack roll forward. Mm-hmm. So. If they go away from that, that's just ridiculous. Well, I thought
3: uh, Sean Kenny Dow, he's been out of form, hasn't he? He's, he's been fairly yeah, he's ordinary. He's been very quiet. Um, Boyd Corner, he's had a, a forgettable couple of weeks. Um, but stick with him. He's a good young player. He's going to be a, a player of the future for the Roosters. But, um, yeah, it was just one of those nights for East. Um, yeah, well,
1: coming up this weekend,
3: obviously. Yeah, well, the Roosters, um, who do they play? They play the Doggies on Friday night. Um, obviously, that's a huge match for them. Huge match, particularly for uh, Sonny Bill Williams. Uh, and the Raiders have got the Warriors at home. So um, it's it's a good
1: opportunity for the Raiders to to string a couple of good performances together. And one of the reasons I've thought, you know, the emotions out of this one is Sonny Bill originally, before he signed, said he didn't want to play in this fixture. Mm. But we haven't heard a word since. So I think even he realises that, yeah. you know, a lot of, lot of the old school, you know, they've moved on now. Like you said, the Bulldogs are a different club, so... I'm not going to put too much emotion on that, but I bet when he takes his first run, they're going to try and you know swarm him and the crowds are going to fire up. But. Well, I think it'll be a hostile environment for him. Mm. There's that that, that uh, small section of
3: Bulldogs fans who mm. wouldn't have forgotten and who are going to uh, make it their mission to make it uh, as uncomfortable as as possible for Sonny yeah. Bill. But, uh, but as
1: far as playing staff is concerned and people th- going nah. on about that, there's no one really nah. left there with a tie yeah. to him. So nah. Well, in the end, you do your talking through the result. Exactly. So the dogs will just want to get the win and that'll be their focus. And the final game of the round was obviously the Melbourne Storm down at the Fortress that is Amy Park. The Tigers, full credit to them, they went down there with a Melbourne game plan, but uh, class prevailed. 80 minutes is what you need to play the Melbourne Storm at, and 26-12 was the final score. Uh, just one key stat here, five line breaks to zero. I, I Watching their game, I think I was kind of deceived. I thought the Tigers were making inroads, but when I looked at the metres, it was 1,500 to 1,000, so... I think in the end, uh, a lot of early errors by Melbourne and being camped down there and they didn't seem to have got many metres, but where was Benji Marshall when they were parked down there? Mm-hmm. Robbie Farah can't do it on his own. Braithen is not the most creative half in the world, but I call out right now and say, Benji Marshall, you, you just needed to step up in that point in time. If that's Melbourne, Cooper Cronk, if it's South, it's Reynolds, if it's most other sides, they've got somebody who's going to come to the fore and take a hold of the bull. They could have beat Melbourne last night, but they didn't.
3: Mm, yeah, we made comment of that during the game. You know, where's Benji Marshall? And he was floating around the back of the ruck. So I, I said to you, and I know I don't know whether many people agree with me, but I thought Benji Marshall um, led Jacob Miller to the grave as well. I, I thought he didn't help him out in the first couple of rounds, and Miller was trying to do it all himself. Um, now it's been left to Farah to do it all. Uh, Farah obviously isn't getting much help out of the fullback in, in Timmy Maltz, and I thought once uh once Potter moved Maltz into the left wing and moved to Tedesco, back, Tedesco. They, they looked really good the yeah. tigers um, but full credit to Mick Potter for employing that game plan trying yeah. to stop Melbourne um, I thought Melbourne readjusted at halftime brilliant brilliantly um, but I thought the referee in this game was horrible playing and simply it was crap um, yeah. and it, and it, it kept the tigers in the game nothing against them they they busted their bums the tigers but You look at them on paper and uh, the way Melbourne were playing, the way Melbourne uh, were trying to roll down the field, the Tigers were laying all over the ruck and um, there was a couple of little barbs in in the media in the post-match press conference coming out of this one where uh, Mick Potter thought that the the Melbourne players had a lot of influence over the referee Um, and Craig Bellamy sort of skimmed over it in in the media and and didn't bite too much into it. But Mick Potter, wake up to yourself, buddy, because... um, it was plain and simple for all to see last night that your tactics were to lay all over the ruck. Mm. Um, if you're going to do that, you're going to play with fire, you're eventually going to get burned. Um, I didn't think that the Melbourne players
1: had any effect over whether the penalties were given. I thought there should have been more penalties given in that mm. game. But more importantly, with the, all that dominance in the ruck, like I said before, the key stats are right in front of you. Five line breaks mm. to zip, and Melbourne got dominated all night. So they were in control the whole game. They didn't get the metres, they didn't have the creativity to score, and they got there. They scored off a kick, uh, which led, you know, a grubber, which Tedesco did fantastically to get through, and an error. So if he wants to complain about anything, he should be getting in there and blowing up at his halves and his, you know, his backs and trying to be a little more creative. Because I'm a as a Melbourne fan. They should have beaten us last night. As far as I'm concerned, watching that game. I see. I disagree. They laid the platform to win, but five line breaks we got and virtually most of them would have been in the last 20 when they finally succumbed to you know what is an 80 minute game. Now I just saw, I thought Melbourne needed half time.
3: They needed, they definitely Bellamy, needed to, half time. Bellamy to tip them up on what was going on in the ruck and how to fix it. Um, if you have a look at the first half Tigers were really holding the Melbourne players up snapping them to the ground with three blokes all over the ruck. Second half Melbourne then um, moved the ball a little bit wider, and when the Tigers tried to hold them up with three players, Melbourne were throwing the ball out the back and then playing in behind, um, you know, the the Tigers A and B defenders. So they did fix it, but. Um I don't know, it just, it just frustrated me. I thought it was a real negative sort of game, real dour, dour game. I just felt as though once the referees cleaned it up that Melbourne were going to get enough, uh, enough of a roll on and, and start to make some metres and really put some pressure on the Tigers. And mm-hmm. in the end, I don't think it was the referees. I think it was the
1: Tigers fatiguing that ended up, uh, you know, having allowing the Storm to uh, run away with it. Well, I compared it to you when I always hear the English commentators when they play Australia about oh we got so close after sixty five minutes being within a couple of points. Yeah. But as we say all the time, it doesn't matter if you win by one point or you win by twelve or thirty, you've got to play eighty minutes and a side like Melbourne, they didn't play eighty minutes against him, but yeah, uh, you still got beat thirteen plus. Exactly. So. And credit again to Aaron Woods, this bloke has to be the front row for the origin side. He yeah. was absolutely ridiculous and Tedesco if that that didn't show enough at fullback of his class under the high ball and his attacking ability to move Molson somewhere else, well, then uh, I'm not here. Mm. I'm, I'm not yeah, here. We'll, we'll, um,
3: we said that at the start of the year, so that we, we wanted to mm. just go there. So and the,
1: um, Another one we gave a rap to, Braith Anasta. I thought yeah. for a solid performance, He steered, I'm not going to say that Miller shouldn't get another opportunity, he should, but Anasta's an old head, a smart head. He signed a contract there so he could keep playing some football, and full credit to him last night. He was smart enough. He was kicking nice and early, uh, getting them down the other end of the field and trying to employ that tactic and I thought he did his part for 80 minutes but I go back to Benji Marshall, where was he? Well, he needed to do his part of it. I'll reiterate a, a comment I made to you
3: last night. I thought that and Astor early in his career was overrated. Mm. Severely overrated. I feel as though now Braith and Astor is underrated. Mm. Um, I thought he had a really positive effect on that, on that game. A much bigger effect than what
1: Benji Marshall did. Well, with age comes a bit of experience and he seems to have his head screwed on a lot better now but... Uh, at the end of the day, there a sad point coming off that is Benji Marshall potentially may be out for three months now. So mm-hmm. Anastro Miller, uh, he was his teacher at the Roosters somewhat, so maybe those two can come together. And hopefully Tedesco gets his run at the back. I don't know what they're going to do with Molson, probably a bench utility as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, But uh, they have to make a couple of changes. But for them, Farron Woods were the only two, again, that kind of blew my mind. They're, they're ridiculous, the pair of them. They should be both getting blue jerseys.
3: Well, and if Marshall is out I think Miller and Anastasia will work I think it I will work
1: and uh, for Melbourne well what, what can we say it was the same old same old the key players held in at the right time and showed a steady pair of heads and they got the job done
3: yep well Melbourne they play South this weekend huge blockbuster mm. of the game on Saturday night we're going to be out there um and the Tigers play the Dragons at the SCG on Sunday. Of course, it's Heritage Round this
1: weekend. Yeah. So. Well, for me on that one, I'm uh, I'm going to back the Dragons this week, I think. Oh,
4: I, yeah, I, I still, I'm with
1: you. I'm defensively, you know, they're good enough. And in attack, I, I'm happy because as a former player, I always liked an offload. I like a bit of loose footy. I think it's too structured these days, and everyone's probably going, you go for Melbourne. I know that, but at the same time, they have moments of brilliance. The, the Dragons, to me... Steve Price has done the right thing. He's dropped the shackles. They're offloading. They're moving the pill around, and uh, I'm looking forward to that one. And yep. Melbourne South, well, it's pretty straightforward, isn't it? Yeah. The, for South to come up to the next level, they need to beat Melbourne. Yep. I have an inkling that they can, but, uh, you know, that, that, that's the that's way We're We need to see. It can up. they knock them off the perch? But that's this week's games. That's all eight done and dusted. So now we're going to move on to Mr. Gossett. It's time for your weekly dose of goss from
2: Mr.
1: Gossip. Here he is, your favourite misfit gossip bandit, Mr. Gossip. (laughs)
4: How are we, ladies? Yeah, good. Things are good. good. Yeah, looking forward to this weekend,
2: mate. Some absolute crackers.
1: Yeah, well, you've got the Storm playing the Bunnies, which is an absolute cracker. The two undefeated teams, and uh, obviously Sonny Bill back against the Doggies, even though it's uh, not many players left over from that point in time. There's still going to be plenty of hatred, I reckon. Uh, it's going to be great. I don't know which one I'm more looking forward to, to be honest, but, yeah, good for the game. Most definitely. What do you got for us this week, Jim? Yeah, well,
4: first, more on the topic of the Bulldogs. Uh, Aidan Tolman. Now, we know he's going to leave the Bulldogs at the end of the year, now, in the last week, it was uh, leaked in the media that Parramatta had offered him a, a four-year deal worth $2 million. Now, I nearly choked on me milkshake when I, when I read that, but uh, he, apparently he since denied that. But looking at it that way, if Parramatta or Penrith or one of the lower teams obviously have a dip at Tom, and they are going to have to pay overs, but to, to,
1: to pay a prop $2 million for four years is ludicrous. Oh, well, he's, he's a gun young prop. He's 25 years old with his best ahead of him, I suppose. But at the same time, uh, for the style of front rower, he, he, you know, he's very workman-like and he's definitely worth uh, worth having in your side. But, yeah, a, a half a mil per year for a front rower that doesn't really offload and, and plays big minutes, well, yeah, I definitely don't see the value in half a mil. Yeah, well, the only mile I've got on him is he definitely
4: won't be at the Bulldogs next year and his manager's shopping him around. So... It will be uh, very interesting to see where he goes Whether he goes to Parramatta or not uh, We'll
1: have to wait and see mm. He can come back to Melbourne if he wants yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's
4: right, I almost forgot he was young.
1: there No, he was a good young junior But part of the, the old salary cap scan We had to push a few out And he was unfortunately one of them I wish they would have kept him Because uh, we've got some scraps as front rowers But at the same time, live and let live
4: You can
1: always have Ryan Tandy back Oh mate, Ryan, <laughs> Tandy, Ryan <laughs> Tandy was fantastic What are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> everyone <laughs> made money, that's how the betting scandal went down, we had Tandy giving all the tips everyone was making bank <laughs> <laughs> oh,
4: fair mm. Uh also yeah, we've got Beal from the Dragons, obviously we all know he's he's out for the year, uh, which is terrible like, for the guy now, everyone of course is putting two and two together and saying that Dugan's going there now, but the NRL, they want all these contingency plans in place for Dugan to make sure that, you know, he's, he's putting enough sugar in his tea and a whole lot of things going down, so it's not a, a quick, quick stop gap where the Dragons can just pick it up next week and he pulls on a jersey. I'm hearing he may even sit out the year and link up with the Roosters next year. Now the Roosters are keen for Minaccello to retire. Minnie wants to stay around, as of course you would. Um, but yeah, I mean I wouldn't put past the Roosters with their unlimited salary cap to um, to get Dugan over there for next year and just watch him Dug sit out the rest of the year.
3: Yeah, we had uh, MJ on the podcast, and he he suggested to uh, gave a little bit of advice to Josh Dugan to um to have the year off. Um, if you're a Dragons fan, you you're, especially now Bill's gone down, you're definitely hoping that you can get a hold of Dugan. Um, especially now they, they seem to be running into a little bit of form the Dragons, but um I like you say, how, how could the Roosters afford him? And what I about mean,
1: two of us a shit? Yeah. Now, Polites. Yeah,
4: have got a few brown paper bags. I think I'm not sure how they get all these players, but they do. And I, I don't think it's third party deals because it's not as though they're a sort of one team town. So, yeah, no. uh, it is interesting. But yeah, it wouldn't be a bad pickup for the Roosters, obviously, especially if, if Minichello does retire. And I know he was saying in the press that he doesn't want to, but he may get get the older, uh, golden shove at the end of the year. Yeah,
3: mm. well, I think it's time time for
4: Minichello. Yeah, I mean he's
1: been a great, great player over the years. Won golden boot and fantastic. But he can't play forever. Yeah, and I, I'm kind of frustrated on that. Like I, it's not only the money side of things, but Roger Tuivasa-Sheck and the blokes outstanding. You have seen it the first few weeks under the high ball. Great player. He's only a baby, and he's the, he should be the fullback. But if they bring Dugan in, I suppose uh, you're back to square one. You've got another player on, on a big wage, and you have got another fullback stuck on the wing. Yeah, well, that's true.
4: The, the Roosters are like their marquee signings. Mm. They'll do anything to put bums on seats out there.
1: Mm, definitely.
4: Also, we've got Israel Folau now. He had very minor talks with the Bulldogs, just sort of sussing them out. Um, a lot of Bulldogs fans getting very keen with that. an email of me saying it's a done deal. Well, I can tell him it's very, very far from being a done deal. The Bulldogs, their main focus is trying to re-sign Reynolds who is asking a lot of money and, and rightly so. So, I mean, once they re sign Reynolds, which I'm hearing they will, um, maybe they'll look at Falau. But we know what money bags Falau like, he'll he'll ask for absolute killing. So, it'll be interesting to see where he ends up. Um, We've also heard he he might go to the Raiders, but um, it's
1: whoever can afford him, really. Yeah, well, if I'm the Bulldogs, I'm definitely not paying overs for him. He's played Union for a year, still physically for rugby league. He's probably still a few kilos off, and he he definitely might be playing fullback with them with Ben Barber there. So,. uh, even the move back to the centres, it's—I kind of look at it. They've got Lafayette, they've got young John Sire, they've got a couple of kids. I, I wouldn't pay overs for now not not for how long he's been gone, and especially not for the price tag. Like you're saying, he's definitely going to be asking for more than what he's worth. Well, where are the where are the dogs getting their money from? Mm. <laughs> yeah, well, there you go, up there with the
4: roosters, aren't they? It's oh, unbelievable. Yes, it is. It is very, very strange. Mm. Also, we've got the Sharks, Stuart Mills. Now, he's in talks with the Cowboys and the Dragons. Uh, the Dragons obviously cashed up and can make a big play for Stuart. But, I mean, uh, you know, who wouldn't want a young guy who wouldn't want to go up to, Cow- to Townsville and play alongside people like Thurston and Bowen? So, um, I hear the Sharks aren't keen to re sign him. So, yeah, it'll be interesting to see where he ends up with The Cowboys or the Dragons, I'm hearing.
1: Yeah, well, as a centre as well. Uh, I know Brent Tate's off contract and. I don't know how much he's going to be asking them for, but they bought uh young bloke, Curtis Rohner from the Roosters. is a, a great young centre, so it wouldn't surprise me if Mills went up there and backed himself to kind of take Tate's spot if they force him out, because I don't think he's really high on their priority list of re-signings at the moment. No, that's exactly right. And um,
4: Tate's been fantastic. He, he always seems to lift for
3: origin as well. But again, you, you can't play forever. No. Yeah, he looks like he's... He's lost a her pace this year, Brent Tate. He's made a lot of errors, missed a lot of tackles, seems frustrated. So, um, yeah, I think, I think he's almost at the twilight. He's, he's had a horrid run with injury, but, um, yeah, he looks another one that's, um, you know, headed towards retirement. That's for, that's for sure.
4: Yeah, he seems to be around for a long time. He's had stints and the Broncos, sort of been here there, and everywhere. But, yeah, I mean, great Queenslander, so... Who knows, Cowboys might, um, might send him off a winner. Who knows?
3: You're starting to sound like a Queenslander now. Yeah? <laughs> <laughs> oh,
4: don't. Don't. Fair. The last one I got, boys, is the milkman, Jamie sound Mr. Field Goal. He's on contract at the end of the year. Um, now, the Dragons have offered him a deal. I spoke to someone from the Dragons around the week and he didn't didn't sort of let on to me how much, but apparently they offered him a, a deal and it was extremely insulting to Jamie. So. All he wants to say is he's, he's very cranky with the club and what they offered him. So, and unfortunately for Jamie, there's not a, a whole lot of clubs sort of knocking down his door, even though halves are, are a rare commodity these days. It seems no one's keen on Jamie. So, he may stay at the Dragons for peanuts, or who knows? You, you always hear the rumours of Japanese rugby or, you know, Vietnamese polo, whoever, who knows? So, <laughs> it'd be interesting where he goes.
1: Yeah, he might even get into, you know, Baccarat or something like that, a bit of backgammon, might, might switch up his <laughs> occupation. Oh, I've heard that, uh, what's the one the bloody Canadians do, the, the one they sweep the ice, he might get into a bit of curling. Cool that suits him, it's not very hands-on.
3: Sir, uh, Sir Wayne doesn't want to want him up in Newcastle?
4: No, well, I haven't
1: heard would that. would you? So I haven't
4: heard any whispers of him being linked to I was only uh, the Knights, but uh, look, it could be possible, I mean, who knows?
1: Yeah, well, on am borderline, wrap me right hand around this meathead sitting next to me. They've got <laughs> Tyron Roberts, Jarrett Mullin. It was a joke. Oh. And I've got him hook, line, sinker. He has. <laughs> well, I, I know.
2: Tyron Roberts is a
1: player. Uh, you know, it, inconsistent. I think that's probably the main reason you can't go around asking money. I know he played his little stint for New South Wales, but since then, you can't have two games the last couple of weeks, and now I'll be saying, all right, this is my price tag. I, I'm... Not going to have a guess at what he's asking. I, I doubt it's as much as what some of the blokes are after on the new cap, but at the same time, if I'm the Dragons, I'm I'm definitely uh, a, a bit tentative to kind of throw big money at Jamie Soward. He's very hot and cold. Yeah, well,
4: absolutely.
1: Well,
3: what's the contingency plan for them? If if they don't re sign Soward, who's their half? <laughs> Who knows? I didn't have That's... any contingency plan for uh, when Hornby left, so I don't know
4: what's going on there. Who mm. knows? A big girl might come back. <laughs> yeah,
1: we'll get him on uh, Just Yeah Seems a little bit more. Mate weird, Gaznia Gaznia might play 5-8 again That was a great idea <laughs> <laughs> uh, Almost like The time
3: we mentioned Last week When Anasta played uh, Full game play, uh, yeah. uh, yeah. I, I had a couple Of nightmares yeah. This week about that <laughs> <laughs> He actually didn't do Too bad uh, For no. the Tigers
4: I thought Anasta he,
3: he No he played, played well we, we made that comment I'm, Well I made the comment That I thought Earlier in his career I thought he was overrated And I think now he's he's sort of in the twilight. I think he's a little bit underrated, both and Astor.
4: Yeah, well, he's defensively sound. Hmm. Um, he's not he's not the most uh, sort of fancy sort of half or, or five eight, but he's a trier, you know. And and you get one hundred and ten percent out of him all the time. Um, I see. I, I, I still remember that fantastic field goal he kicked in twenty ten against yeah. the, the Tigers when he he, he glanced at the
1: place for half a second and nailed it. I mean. Oh, fantastic. Yeah, what a rubbish year 2010 was. <laughs> yeah, fantastic. no points for the storm. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's all right. It was Mad Monday every week, and we still ruined a lot of teams' finals runs. So, yeah. you know, I just lived in the pain of that. It's all right. <laughs> all righty then. Well, we'll jump into our tips for this week, as we always do. Just an update on our tips. I said last week that I'd get a, a points update.
3: You two are locked at 24. and oh! I'm. Oh, <laughs> 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 and, <laughs> I'm languishing at 20, so I've got a, I've got a bit of making up to do. That's for not tipping the Titans that's, and that's tipping the Eels.
1: So. <laughs> All righty then. Well, we'll jump into it. We've got the Roosters, obviously, versus the Dogs. It's going to be a massive clash. Oh, I'm just dumbfounded at the first couple of rounds. Everyone seems to be 50-50. I'm going to go the Dogs. I don't know why. I, I can't believe it. <laughs> I'm just chucking a grain of salt out here. I think the Roosters will get back to the, the kind of football they were playing the week before, getting the two-tipping and that going. But the Bulldogs, for me, they have to ramp it up. They had a terrible week last week. Surely Dez has a broke some furniture, and uh, I'm going to back them in. They have to get a win this week.
3: Uh, I'm going to back the Roosters, only because I've backed the Dogs for the last three weeks, saying, oh, they need to win. They need to win. Well, until they do win, I'm not tipping them again. So I'm going to go the Roosters. I think Sonny Bill's got a lot to play for this week, uh, and they'll be stinging after that uh, second-half performance against Canberra last week. Yeah,
4: purely based on defence, big games.
1: You know, defence is one of big games. I think the Roosters are, are a much better defence than the Dogs, i the Roosters. Yeah, we've got the Broncos and the Cowboys, another Queensland Derby Uh this, this one for me, it was a bit 50-50, but the, the Cowboys last week still didn't impress me. 24-0 at half time. They only managed to score one more in the second half, and the, it's still not really that fluent. They're trying hard, but it just seems to be lacking something there. The Broncos, on the other hand, since that second half against Melbourne, they just look like they're on the up, and they, they were really solid last week. So for me, I'm going to have to back the Broncos.
3: Yeah, watching the game last week, I think the Broncos have improved out of sight in the last two weeks, particularly the game against Melbourne. Uh, I thought the Titans did really well to hang on for 60 minutes. Broncos came over the top of them, um, really put the sword through them. Cowboys lifted against Penrith. I'm going to go with the Cowboys in this one. Um, However, I would not be surprised if the Broncos won. Uh, as
4: a New South Wales fan, let's hope they the shit out of each other and get injured. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'll tip the Broncos. I, I, like you said, I, the Cowboys weren't that impressive against the Panthers who who, who couldn't tackle or save their lives. So um, Yeah, I'll, I'll,
1: I'll go to the Broncos. Yeah, well, Knights and Panthers, uh, I'm not even going to go any further. I'm just going to say the Knights. I don't think I need to, say, need to say too much more. They're going back to the... The fortress, their own home ground. They haven't lost there yet, so I'm going to keep back the Knights on that one.
3: Yeah, well, until Penrith win a game and and they show a little bit of um, a little bit of attack, uh, I'm going to struggle to tip them as well. But I, I really wasn't impressed with the Knights last week. I wasn't overly impressed with them the week before against the Raiders either. But they're uh, they've been really strong at home, and I think they'll win this one.
4: Yeah, the Knights at home will be too strong. It's funny. that... To- I got all these emails from Panthers fans, like I always do, from people whinging and saying to me, oh, it was all the halves' fault, and the halves this, and the halves that. It was defence. They got no defence to Panthers.
1: Yeah.
4: And uh, as soon as they, they've got to fix that up before they can be a serious contender, and um, I think the Knights will lap them.
1: Mm. Well, we've got the the Raiders back at home against the Warriors, who uh, usually struggle on the road, they both had a bounce-back win last week. Um, I'd absolutely love to say the Warriors, but at the same time, they, they really don't travel too well. My God, I don't want to tip the Raiders either, so I'm, I've am i got to flip the coin. I'm going to back the Warriors, but not with too much confidence as far as them travelling is concerned.
3: Um, I was really impressed with what the Raiders did second half. I was also really impressed with what the Warriors did last week, but the Warriors traditionally don't travel real well. It's a Saturday night in uh, Canberra. It'll be, it'll be uh, ice cold. I'm going to tip the Raiders.
4: Yeah, I'm going to Raiders
1: as well. Um, I think this is my better of the round. Last week
4: I came close. I'll take the, the Raiders 13 plus. Well, wow. that, that's good. that's very. I mean, kind. You guys, you laughed at me last week when I said the Dragons were 13 plus. They were not like, winning, and it was the half one nine to ten to
1: go, and I was on the edge of me lounge with beer in hand. Oh, <laughs> I was pretty close, but yeah, anyway. Well, it
3: wasn't 13 but, plus. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know. you would have got a good price just head to head.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I not know, exactly, but I was greedy, mate. Right? Yeah, well, all the bloody value last round was a power bomb, there was four upsets. Uh, it wasn't really a good round for the punters. But, again, uh,
3: my uh, wallet was empty again. Mm.
1: <laughs> Sayos and wheat picks were broken. Yeah. <laughs> all right, well, the clash of the round, obviously, the Rabbitohs versus the Storm, two undefeated teams. There's only going to be one by the end of this weekend. Uh, it's obviously in Sydney, bit of a, a short turnaround for Melbourne, but at the same time. Loyalty thick and thin. I'm going to back the Storm. Uh, Once again, not too much confidence. I still think we looked a little flat last night and the Rabbitohs, you know, they got the job done, not in a fantastic manner, but if there's anyone who's going to beat us right now, it will be them, but I'm going to stick with the Storm.
3: Yeah, I thought the Storm, they looked like they had one eye on this clash last night. I thought the Rabbitohs were really lucky to get uh, the result against the Warriors. Um, ANZ Stadium, traditionally... The Queensland, uh, well, the big three when they play for Queensland in uh, at ANZ, they don't have a great record. Um, I think that may have an effect, but still, just out of loyalty, and, and I'm going to go with what I know, and I'll, I'll back the Storm.
4: Yeah, I think the Storm will be too good, but this is Reynolds' time to shine. A lot of people saying, yeah. you know, he may be a bolter for Origin. He, he's really got to step up. This is a big game for them. Um, the last big game they sort of played in was the semi against the Bulldogs, he got injured, so we didn't really see. Um, how good he is under, under pressure so uh, we'll see how good he is against the Storm but I think the big three they'll, they'll be too good for him and I think it'll be
1: close pretty much like the Tigers game but I think the Storm will just run away with it in the last 10 minutes mm, Well it's definitely going to be an 80 minute game that's for sure we've got uh, Manly versus the Sharks back at Brookie uh, the Sharks just looked flat as they said on the weekend Flanagan saying that they're only getting one session in a week which is insanity uh, I'm going to have to go Manly they're going, going back home Brett Stewart looked good last week, and they seem to be flying at top gear. So as long as they're they're pretty healthy and they're not having any injury concerns, besides Glenn, I think they're you know they're a sure thing this week. Yeah, it won't be the Sharks beating Manly; it'll be
3: Manly beating themselves if they get beat here. Um, I think they'll be too good at Brookie. Yeah,
4: the Man- Manly will thrash them. I think. I'm Really disappointed in the Sharks the forwards in the past two weeks. I mean, look the Parramatta forward packs pretty much a New South Wales Cup forward pack to be honest. And they completely dominated
1: the sharks, so that's mm. really disappointing. So, yeah, mainly by plenty. Only. Mm. We've got the Tigers and the Dragons at SCG. Uh, always a great game. Always great to get a bit of nostalgia and back to the old school. But for me, uh, I never thought I'd be saying this, and I don't like saying it. But I'm going to back the Dragons. The uh, the brand of football they've been playing it looks like Price has finally put his own spin on things. It's loosened up the shackles a bit, and it's working. So I'm going to back them to get over the Tigers. Yeah, this is. I think this is the hardest one uh, to tip this
3: round. Um, I'm going to go the Tigers. I just think, um, well, I don't know what I think. I, I'm just going to. I'm going to go with Robbie Farrow having a big one. I think Benji Marshall will be out, uh, which I think will help the Tigers. I think they've been carrying him for the last two weeks. So for Nasta and Miller in the halves, if they move Tedesco to fullback, which I think they will do, I think that'll be better for the Tigers. And um, I'm going to tip them to just have too many points for the Dragons. Yeah, I'm going to tip the
4: Dragons. Jamie Sauer to kick 12 field goals <laughs> but um, <laughs> I think the Dragons will, will just
1: be too strong for them the Tigers uh, coming off the Monday night they looked absolutely buggered on Monday night when they come off the field so I think the Dragons will get them alright in the last game of the round obviously the Titans versus the Eels big Dave Taylor's been uh, stood down for two weeks we haven't been told why but if anyone's going to have a guess I'm, I'm going to go something like the Grog or some kind of being that, that's the general theme of uh, footy players getting banned these days but uh him out. Kelly's going to be out. Caesar, we still haven't heard of, but surely he's going to be out. So, going off those three and a bit of a lack of depth, I'm sorry to say it again, but I'm going to go to Parramatta.
3: Yeah, I- Takarangi I think is also going to be out. We've just lost, we've lost half our first grade side. So, um, I definitely don't think we get flogged. Um, but you know, the forwards, the forward pack isn't going to score as many points. Um, Shramas also out. So, uh, I- I'll, I'll back the Eels.
4: Yeah, give us a hand to Ligarachne's out, like you said. So, <laughs> that's, um, it's going to be a, a big loss for them. And Dave Taylor stealing people's lunches at a lunchbox. Jeez, it's a hard one. Um, I'm going to go the upside, I'm going to go to the, so go the Titans. Oh, I hope you're right. I hope you're oh, yeah, right. Fine. So, because I, think they, I, I was really pleased that Parramatta won last week for the Manor Cup. and mm. um, But I think the motion got them over the line for that game.
3: Um, I think that's how ends all the drama going up there at the moment with with big of power. I think they'll be ready to be
4: switched
1: on. All right, actually, oh, I'm, I'm changing my tip. I'm oh going God. the Titans. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm, well, I'm, I'm, I'm a shoeing. I'm a shoeing now.
4: I'm definitely shoe <laughs> I'll get a text message showing me bit. <laughs> yeah, you will be <laughs> in, in capital letters, brother.
2: <laughs>
1: beautiful alrighty then so we've got our tips we've got an update on the, the scoreboard so we'll uh, we'll keep track of that as we go through the year and as usual mate thanks a lot and we'll uh, catch you next week no
2: problem enjoy the footy guys you no too buddy have a good one yeah,
1: a big thanks as always to Mr Gossip and you can catch him on Twitter at NRL Gossip and also on Facebook just head up to the search bar type in NRL Gossip for all the inside information he's always a great source but with that being said We're going to do our Degenerate Gambler section at the same time as the wrap-up for this podcast. Well, now into our Degenerate Gambler section before we wrap this one up. And, Brock, what have you got for this week?
3: Uh, Better of the week is the storm to beat the Rabbitohs at $1.75. I've got a multi as well. Raiders to win head-to-head, head fifty five. Manly, head-to-head, head thirty. Into the Cowboys, head-to-head at 90 that That'll get you
1: uh, around $3.80. Well, for me, this round, I'm not going to go... The Maltese or any exotic options. I'm just going to go two away upsets. The Warriors are paying $2.55 to beat Canberra in Canberra. Uh, they don't travel too good, but I still see a bit of value there. And uh, Parramatta, they're going up to the Gold Coast. They're missing their hooker, both their starting halves and Dave Taylor... Paris definitely got a chance, and they're paying two forty. so I think both those upsets individually, if you've got a spare pocket change, it's probably not a bad bet.
3: Well, after the last couple of weeks, I don't think any of us have got any
1: bloody pocket change. Mm, well, it's definitely been an up and down it's first few rounds, weeks. as we've said, besides uh, Melbourne and South and probably Manly, they're the only teams who have really showed any kind of consistency, and uh, the odds definitely show that, but... That's all for this week. That's our Degenerate Gambler section. Hopefully, we finally win you some money because, quite honestly, I'm sick of eating sales and wheat picks. <laughs> I'm sure everyone else is. But, uh, as the usual, this wraps up this podcast. So, hit us on the Twitter, at Fifth and Last. As always, it's an N in the middle, not and the word. Get onto Facebook, type in Fifth and Last. You'll find us up there, Fifth and Last Royal Podcast. Get on the page the question of the week. Get on that, give us a vote, and also at the email if you want to send something through fifth and last podcast at hotmail.com. So, this one will be up on Podomatic and iTunes, fresh and ready as always. And remember, enjoy your rugby league, share, like, and love us, guys. Thanks a lot.
4: Bring it on. Give us more. Give us more. Where are you going? What's going on here? Is that it? Is that it?